Hey everyone, I'm David, aka PV Plant Guy, and I'd like to welcome you back to Plant Personalities. It's my podcast where I interview some of social media's most interesting plant influencers. As content creators, we often focus on a few different topics. If you know me, you know I'm obsessed with houseplants, my golden retrievers, and talking about my fitness journey. And I started this podcast really because I wanted to get to know some of the people behind their profiles. I am fortunate enough today to have Nick, aka Farmer Nick, join me, and I am pumped to get to know him. So Nick, what's going on? <laughs> Thank you so much, David. I appreciate the invite to the pod here and you know just relaxing on a sunday gonna get some planting done some plant-based cooking done and then watch the super bowl so i appreciate you bringing me on hey yeah thanks for joining us so super bowl sunday everyone's busy today probably cooking their chili for the big game (laughs) are you making chili today or what I mean, how can you not make chili? You got to make chili. So I've got a little three bean chili recipe that's in the uh, little crock pot right now. And then I'm going to make some vegan cauliflower wings and maybe uh, mix in a couple vegan desserts. Haven't decided yet, but I am fully prepared. Okay, that all sounds so good. I've never heard of cauliflower wings. Can you talk about those? <laughs> so, I mean, I, I'm a you know, former omnivore, right? So like I used to eat meat, loved meat. It was a big part of my life, especially as a college athlete. So, you know, I I never thought about like wings could be (laughs) anything but chicken. But, you know, if you take cauliflower, give it a nice uh, coating and some batter, usually throw in some, some hot spices, depending on your tolerance there, throw that in the oven, bake that up, roast it up, and then I'll grab some kind of hot sauce. And everyone loves you know, Frank's Red Hot or, you know, Cholula, whatever it might be, throw in some vegan butter, maybe a little bit of maple syrup for sweetness, and then you're good to go. That sounds amazing. That's like, <laughs> you gotta, I gotta come over and cook for you when I'm in Florida. Yes, definitely. I feel like I could bring that to a get together and people wouldn't know that it's a vegan meal. I, I mean, that's the key, right? You know, and, and I'm not the, the type of, plant-based person that's gonna really you know shove it down your throat and talk about you know the animals the environment that's not my focus my focus is is i can make delicious vegan food for you you're gonna want to know what's in it and you know i i feel like i have such a hard time making food with meat in it for dinner and lunch every day during the week so (laughs) i can only imagine how much creativity goes into creating a food that you don't get sick of that doesn't contain any meat. Yeah. I mean, that's the key, right? The creativity in the kitchen is certainly a barrier to entry. And just like, you know, chopping vegetables takes time, you know, (laughs) like it's not as simple as just throwing, you know, a chicken breast on the grill and then putting some sauce on it. So I I do think there's some wonderful plant-based creators out there who are taking things to the next level when it comes to, their creativity and like you know for example I, I tried this really cool recipe i made pecan tacos for taco tuesday which you would never think that pecans would go in a taco but ground that up cooked it down they're pretty soft so they actually kind of end up tasting a little bit meaty in their in their texture and once you throw all the the taco spices on there you're good to go you're completely changing my perspective of <laughs> plant-based diets you just might find me going plant-based like every Friday. Hey, you know, honestly, that nothing would make me happier, right? It, it's not about, you know, 100 people going 100% vegan. It's 
about 100 million people doing exactly what you said, trying one day a week or saying, you know what, every breakfast and lunch, I don't need to have an animal product there. So, I mean, my vegan journey, I'm still relatively new. It's been about five years vegetarian, three years vegan. And for me, you know, the plants in my own home were stepping stones towards that new lifestyle. Okay, so that kind of ties into my next question about how you got into to houseplants. But I, I do want to ask you one more question on the vegan topic, because yeah. I know that you're pretty active, you work out. So how do you balance just the hunger after you work out with <laughs> not being able to eat meat? I don't know. That's that's Dude, my biggest fear. I eat a lot. I am never, never not eating. Uh, and for me, you know, like I used to be a personal trainer. I trained for six years. Um, and you know, the biggest question and kind of misconception you get is, Oh, but what about the protein? How I'm not going to get enough protein, this, this, or that. And, you know, to be honest, you know, a lot of Americans get more than enough protein than they actually need, first of all. Um, and second of all, there's that kind of the myth around complete proteins and, Oh, you know, you have to mix certain plants like rice and beans in order to get all the amino acids. And that's actually been walked back. The scientist who actually brought that fourth in the beginning actually was the person who said, you know what, I actually was wrong. Like this is, you can get the same amount of protein from plant-based diet. It just, it takes some more planning, right? Right. And for me, it's, it's peanut butter, it's lentils, it's legumes, all of those things. I don't eat a lot of tofu. Like people think, oh, I don't like tofu. I don't, I don't eat tofu during the week. Um, usually if I get it out uh, at a restaurant, that's fine. But um, you know, all of those things are super high in protein, very calorie rich as well. I go through a jar of peanut butter a week and I just don't want to lose weight. And I know that's a big concern for those who are hitting the gym hard. Right. You want to keep your mass while also not wasting away. Yes. All through your diet. Yeah. And if anyone, you know, checks out world naked gardening day, you can tell I'm not wasting away. So (laughs) no, you're definitely not. You're definitely not wasting away. You look great, man. Um, So are you, are you consuming plant-based proteins as a supplement? Uh, you know, a lot of people do, especially in the beginning, right? They'll do like a, a plant-based shake or something like that. You know, to be honest, I've never had a protein shake in my whole life, even when I was not uh, a plant-based person. Okay. Uh, I just I just knew that, you know, for me, I was getting enough protein as is. Um, but if you want to go that route just to get started and make sure you're hitting those numbers, then that's totally fine. Gotcha. Yeah, because I've been trying. I switched over to plant-based protein, and I like it. It took me a few months for my body to get used to it, but I think that Mm. it's a lot better for your body in general, and it's a lot better for the environment. So I'm trying to stick with it there. And so that's like one one area where I converted to plant-based. I'm just slowly trying, but it's just, you know, the steak tastes so good. (laughs) (laughs) It it does taste good. Um, I, I I do miss some of those things here and there. Um, but you know, as, as someone who considers themselves an environmentalist and an animal activist as well, you know, there, there's too many reasons for me at this point in my life not to, and I encourage everyone just, as you said, small changes, one thing right. here and there, and next month you try something else or next year you try something else. It's not going to happen overnight. Right. And I hear your message and I, I support all the causes that you're fighting for and I respect it because it's really hard to you know, go against mainstream culture. So props to you for, for being a big advocate there. Uh, I'm trying my best. <laughs> so you mentioned that houseplants actually turned you on to being a vegetarian. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. You know, so my, my plant journey began, it wasn't necessarily with houseplants. It actually started with gardening. 
And I just graduated from college in 2014. My sports career was over. I was kind of looking for a new identity. I was going to be working in New York City. I was living at home with my parents um, just to save money on rent and kind of get my career started. And my mom said, you know, if you're going to be living at home, you have to do something around the house to make up for no rent. Yeah. I was like, all right, well, what do you want me to do? <laughs> and we had lost a tree in the backyard during Hurricane Sandy a couple of years prior. And there's this big spot, just bare, very sunny now because there's no canopy. And she said, you know what? Why don't you go outside? You love food. You love getting your hands dirty. Why don't you go outside and, and build a garden? It's like, sure, no problem. I'd never owned a plant, never gardened before. I went to Home Depot, bought some wood, put some raised beds up, threw a couple tomatoes in the ground, and I became obsessed. Like, I <laughs> was just hooked. I'm like, oh my God, you can grow your own food. And yes, it takes time, but like, the more you understand and assess your environment, the easier it becomes. Um, and the garden just grew more and more robust every year. I lived at home for three years and built a huge garden. It was wonderful. But then I moved into New York. And for those that have never lived in New York, it's a great place to visit. But when you're living in a 600 square foot apartment with no outdoor space, dealing with the cold and the winter months, like it is rough. It's brutal. So it's brutal. It's brutal. It's not Florida, right? So, no, not at all. <laughs> you know, it's, it's very difficult to have access to that outdoor space and that green. So I did the only thing that made sense to me was I just started buying houseplants and one to 120 houseplants later, you know, this apartment is filled with green. And it was around this time where I'm like, huh, like I care so much about, you know, these plants. Why don't I start taking a look into, you know, where they come from and the environmental impacts and some of these other things that I had never considered before. Because for me, like, like many who start, it's because they look great and it's a hobby and it's something I can collect and it's beautiful. And I started looking into the environmental pieces more and started just becoming more of a general environmentalist. And a big part of being an environmentalist, at least for me, was also changing the way I ate. So plants are very much a stepping stone, right? Whether it's your first garden, your first house plant, it's going to connect you to the earth in a whole different way. And for me, it was gardening to houseplants to plant-based diet to other forms of environmentalism and those stepping stones have not stopped that is amazing I, and being able to take one step out of time at a time you know collecting your plants and just kind of taking it having it take you down a completely different path i feel like it's a journey for a lot of people you know they kind of unlock the side of themselves that they don't really expect is there and for you, it's just this path of environmentalism and just being able to appreciate what we have. And that that's super cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it certainly opened my eyes in a whole different way. And, you know, as, a, as you know, two men, right, who are into this space, you know, I, it's just shocking that, you know, plants are not marketed to us at younger ages, right? You know? it's it's unfortunate but you know i think plants and nurturing and caring is viewed oftentimes as a as a feminine uh, right. attribute whereas men it's like oh you know go outside play sports do that you can do that i love that side right you can be fit you can do all that stuff but why not tap into that nurturing side and it, it could be with golden retrievers it can be with 
you know, plants, whatever it might be. But I think that's something that is a missed opportunity for folks, especially young men, to get involved with that at earlier ages. Right. It doesn't fit the category of playing football and being a a manly man. Yeah, a hyper masculine man. Right. <laughs> right. Like that's that's never what I've you know tried to be. And, you know, it was tough in the sports world, right? You know, you've got college athletes and teammates and everything, and it's very, you know, you know, heavy drinking culture, heavy meat culture, all this stuff. And like, you know, now those same guys are calling me, FaceTiming me saying, hey, dude, my, my fiddle leaf just dropped a couple of leaves, I'm <laughs> panicking, what do I do? You know, like, yeah, now they're shifting. And I'd like to think I'd have some impact on that, right? But they're realizing, like, first of all, A, nothing, nothing more attractive than, than the young guy who can take care of plants, right? Like, that's great. Uh, but, but B, you know, they're, they're starting to realize like, okay, like I'm preparing for eventual fatherhood and I've got a dog, I've got plants. This is now a part of my nurturing practice. Right. And if, you know, if I can take care of a, a plant, then a girl is going to look at me and, <laughs> and want to be with me because I can take care of her and I can take care of our child. And it just I mean, all starts with that fiddly fig. <laughs> it, it all starts, exactly. I mean, it, it's a very, like, evolutionary perspective. Like, instead of, oh, can I provide? It's like, oh, can you take care of this plant? Um, and it's great. I love it. And it's so rewarding, too. I mean, you know, growing your own food is a whole nother level. But I just think that having plants and watching them start from, you know, a few inches to growing up to a few feet, it, it's it's when you look at it, you're proud and it's something that you love and it's, it, it develops these emotional connections that some people don't realize until they're there. Oh yeah. I mean, the emotional side of it is a whole different aspect and you know, I'd love to hear how you feel that plants have changed your kind of perspective and, you know, maybe at an emotional level as well. But for me, the biggest thing for me is it slowed me down in such a good way because when you're living in new york working a corporate job it is quick it is fast paced it is in your face it is loud and plants are so much the opposite of that they're quiet they are slow they take patience there's no instant gratification you don't just put the plant in and all of a sudden it's got three new leaves tomorrow and i i think that that kind of proactiveness that you need to t to care for plants is so important because it's trust. It's, it's patience in the process. And learning that for me was really important because I'm a high energy guy. And to be able to slow down and almost use my plant time as a form of meditation has been very, very rewarding for me. And you know what, Nick, I can relate because I'm extroverted. I'm very social. And I use my plant time to kind of relax and reflect and just, mm. you know, med I, I, I I, I, I want to say meditate, but I, I'm not quite there yet. But it's a point that I can just be involved with myself and just take a break from what I have going on. I mean, we all have busy lives. And I think that the houseplant hobby allows us to kind of just take time for ourselves. And, and it's, it's a self-care component that a lot of people may be missing out on. Yeah, I, I think the self-care aspect is huge. And no one does it better than, than my good friend, Christopher, a plant queen, right? Like mm -hmm. I, I've known Christopher for quite some time and, you know, we were good, good buddies in New York and, you know, it's just joy in reveling in that self-care and not, you know, necessarily needing to go do a million things, but to just 
be there, be present with your plants, have those plants bring you joy, enjoy the process of caring for them. I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I agree. And then, you know, you kind of take what we're talking about and then you put it all on social media, right? So there's, there's the actual care component of your plants. And then there's, okay, how do I want to convert this into what I am on social media? And mm. with reels and TikToks, I feel like it's just opened up a whole new realm for plant parents to express their creativity of being a plant parent. Like, yeah. like you, I mean, you have, uh, your infomercials are hilarious and you have your plant versus human <laughs> conversation and you tie a lot of like your, your values into it, you know, advocating for sustainability and, you know, um, you know, being a vegan and having a plant-based diet. And it's, it, it's so subtle, but it's enjoyable to watch, you know, you're communicating a message that's, that's funny. Um, but it's done very well. So where do you get a lot of your inspiration from that? How do you like, how do you think of these ideas? I I appreciate that. A lot of, a lot of thought goes into, you know, some of these videos and, you know, they may, they may seem silly on the outside where I'm pretending to be a plant and talking about things like transplant shock and whatnot with my human. Uh, but the, the goal is for me, as much as it's about knowledge, it's about confidence, right? Because the knowledge is out there. You know, you could you could go out and look up something like, you know, yellowing leaves and find a million articles about right. why your leaf could be yelling. But that is overwhelming for people. And oftentimes it's roughly the same information being shared over and over and over and over again, just in different voices. And for me, you know, yes, I've taken classes at NYBG. I am currently in the Master Gardener program in L.A. Like there's a lot of science that I could throw at you, but I want you to smile first and enjoy the process. And then be like, oh, I actually learned something while I was watching that video and laughing, right? Like that, that is always my goal is, is education with a smile. And if I can get you to get into plants for the first time, because you saw me, you know, looking like a, a buffoon dancing around my apartment with my plants, like, so be it. But that is that first entry point. And, you know, the inspiration I draw is, you know, I look at a lot of like, comedy creators and, and influencers on TikTok who started with these, you know, talking back and forth to yourself videos. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those were really popular for me. They made me smile. I'm like, okay, what if I can just educate people in that sense, pretending to be my plant? And it's worked really well so far. Yeah, no, it has. It's, it's funny. <laughs> and I think there's so many different niches out there on social media that you can pick one and there's so many different types of videos and you can transfer it back to the plant hobby. And yeah. I think like you've done that very well with the, the plant versus human conversation and the infomercials. And that's like, that's like a, a Nick defining reel. Like if someone, <laughs> yeah, I feel like, like you kind of own that space, you know, and you know, if someone else does it cool, but like that, like you're, you're, you're the owner of that creative content, which is cool. You know, it, it's funny to think about it that way. And I know in this world of social media and whatnot, you know, there, there's so much, much just like recycling of content. Like, I would love it if people are pretending to, to be a plant and talking to their human. Like, that's great. Um, but, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, if you're a creator out there, finding your own niche and finding what is very unique to you and what you do best, regardless of how 
crazy or silly it might seem, it's going to resonate with someone and it's going to stand out amongst the crowd. And one thing I think that you do really well, especially on your page, is that you are always on trend. Like, if there's a sound that's out that's popular, you've made a video about it. And, like, you are constantly there. And I need to do a better job of that because, especially now with the rise of TikTok, like, mm-hmm. certain sounds that I've saved a month ago aren't, you know, it's like, oh, that was so last month. I'm not going to make a video on that. Um, but you are you are very with it. And I need to take a page out of your book there. <laughs> I appreciate that. And you know what it is? It's really just like scrolling through my my reels, for example. Right? We'll use Instagram. And my, my, my furry page is like plants, um, dog content, and then some other like random niches. And I'll see something and I'm like, oh, I could use that in the plant world. And then just like make a quick creative reel that takes i don't know like 20 minutes as opposed to like the educational ones which take a lot longer as you know to film and edit and caption um so i i feel like for me that's like my creative outlet like how can i link people to houseplants with this trend that's circulating on the internet um yeah i love that i love that approach and you know you you gotta be you gotta be quick you gotta be in the moment and I think one thing that is, and I, you, you touched on this a little bit, just to create educational content every single day is taxing. It's so tiring. It, it, it goes into just, it, first of all, so many different topics, right, that you have to kind of hit and seasonality things, changes with the topics that you put forth, and then how much can you repeat certain things. So you're always trying to find something new, and it takes a lot of planning to be able to showcase some of these things. and be able to demonstrate them live for your audience, right? So that takes time. And just like to be able to mix in some of the purely funny stuff that is going to make people smile, make people come to your page and gravitate towards you as a person. I think that's such a great balance. Right, right. I I, I think so too. And I think, you know, a lot of the plant influencers kind of have have that going on. And that's, you know, why they've become successful is because of it's the, the, the educational content mixed in with the comedy that kind of hooks them in and keeps them there and keeps them, you know, wanting to learn more. But um, to your point, the whole, um, you know, creating the educational content with the scripting and it's so taxing. And with my full-time job, I often find myself like filling up my weekends with content creation and then posting throughout the week. Because the last thing I want to do is come home from work and then make something. Dude, I don't know how you do it with a full-time job, man. Like I quit my job two years ago and, you know, it was the best decision I've ever made. But like for these creators who have full-time jobs and are still busting out content every single day, especially video content now, which I know a lot of people are, are moving more towards. Mm-hmm. It is it is so impressive. Right. And I feel like lately, I feel like I've just been like putting short videos out there just to kind of hit that content. Because if you don't go put content, you know, it's you, you kind of lose engagement and all of the work that you're doing is just kind of lost. So it's like this balance of how do I, how do I keep people engaged without losing my identity, staying true to myself, but also creating new content that's kind of recycled. Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with going back into the, the old photo library and seeing like, okay, what do I have videos here? I could talk about, can I do voiceovers for certain things? And, you know, I, I think creator well-being and mental well-being is a huge factor here. And, 
you know, I, I feel personally, I feel pressure to post every day and I know I shouldn't um, because I've built a business outside of just Instagram. But man, it, it can be pretty taxing if you are just building your own business from Instagram. Right. Oh, yes. Um, I And a lot of respect goes out to all those folks that, that do that because it's very time intensive. And I don't think that people appreciate how much time is spent. No, no. They, they don't realize how much goes into a 30-second video. That's for sure. So let me ask you this. You mentioned that you quit your corporate job a few years ago and you're very active on social media. What? So like if you were to meet someone, right, and they ask you what you did for work, what would you tell them? <laughs> this is always the hardest question. Uh, sometimes I just introduce myself as a gardener just to see what people say um, and see if they'll you know, treat me any differently because I, I don't want to lead with like, I am a content creator of plants. Like right. that is tricky. Like I usually say like I'm a gardener and I make content. Um, and, you know, it, it's – it's, you know, I don't want to say I'm a plantrepreneur, which is my favorite word ever, right? But, you know, I, I do try and explain to them that, like, you know, there obviously is this garden hobby that I have, which I chronicle on social media, but I also have clients. I have, you know, probably close to, I want to say, like, you know, over 100 clients now that I've worked with in the past couple of years. Wow. Um, and these are ranging from houseplant clients, as simple as a virtual consultation, to full-on landscapes and you know I, I don't talk about my landscape work enough probably on instagram uh, because oftentimes i'm you know behind the scenes working on things and a lot of projects are still in new york with my team there but you know we're doing terraces for big apartment buildings we're doing uh, office spaces and bringing plants into the spaces there got a potential client right now it's going to build a huge veggie garden in upstate new york and another one down in san diego so there's a lot of that work that i think is is probably the stuff i love the most because it gets me outside and off my computer and out into the dirt where i love to be right and i mean that's that's like a whole lot of stuff different things going on so how do you balance all of that well, you don't have a you don't you don't have like a, a desk job, so you're not going into the office, coming home. It's kind of like you manage your own time. It's like you work for yourself in a way. Yeah, you know, if I'm if I'm mad at my boss, then I'm mad at me. So it's uh, it's a difficult balance to strike, and something that I'm still working on. I, I think the biggest thing, having moved to California last year, um, or in September 2020. It, it was really difficult waking up in the morning and knowing my New York clients have been up for three hours and I've got an inbox full of 15 emails that I've got to get to, you know, mm -hmm. and that I, I'm still working on that balance. But what's nice is I, I built out a, a wonderful team in New York. We're small and mighty, but we've got about three or four gardeners that at any given time can execute and do these uh, installations after I've kind of gone through with the client, made the design, proposal, pitching, all that stuff. So sometimes I feel like I'm working a desk job because, you know, I'm behind the computer a lot of the time when I'm not making content. Um, but, you know, slowly but surely building out the team here in Los Angeles as well and hoping to do a little bit more uh, of that work out here. It's just the New York clients have taken up just so much time, which is a good problem. But you know, I would like to be doing more planting out in California. Right. And it's interesting that, you know, you mentioned the landscaping and, 
and how it's not really much. I see it sometimes like on your stories and I'm always like, I want to see more of this. So maybe can, can, can we see more of that outside of, <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. it's also in, it's inspiration for people who want to, you know, do more than just houseplants, things outside in their yard or their patios or their balconies or what have you. I think there's so much, so many more ideas there that you could share with us. Yeah. You know, I, I think, First of all, yes, definitely want to to do more of that content. And I think I will be present for more of that, especially in New York with a couple uh, big clients that I've got to get out there for. But, you know, I, I'm a big believer in growing with your audience. And initially, as a you know 25-year-old, 26-year-old kid starting an Instagram account in New York, my audience was other people renting apartments and not having outdoor space. Now, as we're getting older here and more folks are, you know, living in different places because they can work remote and they have outdoor space, I want to be able to grow with those folks and show them that there's some different things out there. And, you know, whether that's growing food hydroponically or building a raised bed or planting an ornamental pollinator garden, all of those things are super important and definitely things I want to show more of this year. I'm looking forward to seeing all of that. (laughs) <laughs> looking forward what's, to what's, what's your come. yard situation look like you uh, you an outdoor gardener as well nick i'm so embarrassed to tell you that the recent freeze we had here in northeast florida it dropped oh, to like that. 32 degrees and everyone's yard is brown so i i have like five well i had five beautiful clusias my big tree philodendron is turned brown. Last year, we had three freezes and it didn't turn brown. I made sure to water all of them like a few days before. Um, I have some like pygmy date palms that froze last year and came back that turned brown again. Um, so it's just very sad. And we actually need to spend a lot of time in our backyard over the next few weeks, just kind of getting it ready for spring. We have a lot of pruning to do. I think we're going to replace some of the the shrubs that we have. But um, you know, we, we live in suburbia and our houses are right next to each other. So, um, you know, we put, we planted a lot of landscaping and shrubbery and trees to kind of give us some privacy. We have like a little tropical oasis in our backyard. Um, it just needs some TLC right now. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, the, the frost certainly doesn't help, but if anything, you know, it's an opportunity to try something new and get back out there and see what this spring will have in store. Right. And, you know, we, we, we didn't, we only covered a few plants. It, it just, it, it's, it's sad to think about that. Like a lot of the plants that we do have are sensitive to the, the, the cold. So mm-hmm. I think going forward, we want to consider more native plants so we don't have to worry about the, the constant freezing every winter. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned that because I was just talking with a friend here in Los Angeles and, you know, we were talking about natives versus non-natives and, one of the things that she mentioned, which I know has been a problem for, for many folks who want native gardens, is that with the changing climate and the volatility of the changing climate, natives are not as well suited in some instances than others. Because if there's a plant that you can put in your backyard that's used to a certain temperature and used to a certain level of humidity, whatever it is, you know, with the changing climates now and the fluctuations that we've seen, sometimes those natives actually don't do as well, which is a problem in and of itself because there's a lot of native wildlife that depend on those. That is so disturbing to think about. Yeah, it it, it really is. 
Wow. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to have to do my research there. I don't have as much experience as you in the outdoor space. I mean, I do houseplants as a hobby and everything that I know I've like watched a video on, on YouTube, or I did buy a biology book. And <laughs> so I've been reading up on that, but I'm, I'm definitely not anywhere near as, you know, versus you with the courses or, um, the, the outs, the landscaping, um, knowledge. So, yeah, it's, you know, I'm always looking for inspiration and I'm always learning new things, but I, you know, this spring is kind of like a time to read up on some of the outdoor materials. So that's kind of on my to-do list for the next few weeks. Um, boy. I did want to talk about your experience on Netflix on the big flower fight because <laughs> you just kind of like threw that on your Instagram feed. This is like in 2020 and it was like, whoa, this is awesome. And so it premiered, watched it. It was, it was great. It was a great show. Um, I just want to hear your experience with that because it's not every day that you know or get to talk to someone that's been on Netflix. <laughs> it's, you know, the Big Flower Fight was so fun, man. It was really just such a, a wonderful experience, not just to you know say you were on Netflix, right? But like the people that we met, these creators, these florists from many of most of them are, are from Europe uh, were, were truly, truly spectacular. And some of my very close friends today that I still keep in touch with and, and doing it with Taylor, uh, the planty dropper, uh, as she is so well known on Instagram was just a delight. She, you know, brought so much creativity and with her background um, studying sculpture and art, like she was just amazing. So to, to be, included in that i'm just so grateful and the experience of getting basically unlimited plants to build these monstrous <laughs> creatures like i don't think i'll ever have a time like that in my life again where i have you know thousands of plants to mess around with and giant steel frames to to build with so you know it was truly once in a lifetime kind of thing and you know from that experience of gained so much knowledge and, and expanded my realm. Like I, I am not a flower guy. Like, let's be honest. Like uh, I, I like the living plants and if you have living flowers, that's great. But some of the cut flowers are still, uh, you know, an enigma to me in many ways. Um, but overall it was such a wonderful experience, you know, and there will be a, hopefully uh, this summer, some, some more fun things to watch on that platform. So stay tuned. Oh, that is exciting. Now I'm going to have to pay even closer attention to the stories <laughs> that you post on Instagram. Yeah, it, I, I can't talk about anything just yet, but there will be more opportunities to watch some plant fun uh, on on some of these platforms. So be be on the lookout. Do we have a month of release? Are you no, allowed to no say month that? Yet. No month yet. Um, I don't have that at all. Um, but it will be... Uh, hopefully at some point this summer. Interesting. Okay. Well, we're all rooting for you and watching <laughs> you on the big screen, on our, on our small screens and on the big screen, all screens, <laughs> all screens. Yeah. That is awesome. <clears throat> um, so I, I kind of ask everybody these questions on the podcast and I'm curious to hear what your answers are. Mm, okay. Um, I'm ready. So, I mean, I feel like you've met a lot of people, so this may be a little bit tougher for you, but 
If you could meet any plant influencer in person that you haven't already met, who would it be and why? Oh, got to be Hilton Carter. Got to be. You haven't met him yet? No. It's strange to think that I haven't. I mean, he's been such an inspiration for me, such a positive role model for all of the men who want to get into the plant space and just like, he, he's the OG, right? Like he was yeah. doing this before it was popular, right? It was, you know, him and Daryl, who I'm getting to meet uh, in Toronto at some point uh, this May, which I'm super excited about. Um, Summer Rain, right? Like these were the, the originals. Right. And, you know, to, to meet with them, I think would be awesome. I've met Summer before. She is lovely. But Daryl and Hilton are, are two big ones for me that I would absolutely love to meet. I reference Daryl's book, The New Plant Parent, like, all the time i'm like okay let me just go back to this book <laughs> to see like what i've been reading on the internet now i'm like confusing myself let me just go back to basics and see what daryl says <laughs> you know what i yeah, doubt i mean da- daryl has it down to a, a science right it's an engineer's approach i think that's on the the book title um so it's it's beautifully done it is it is and um it's it's great it's great to kind of follow uh, um, all of them on Instagram too, and kind of see their journeys and see and learn what they're doing because we're all we're all changing and we're all learning new things and and sharing them. So I think you know they they kind of developed this space for all of these influence that are influencers that are now in this this area, right? You have and even yeah. to, today you have all of these new um, uh, accounts that are specific to plants that still pop up like this trend is here to stay. I don't think it's going anywhere. I think you're absolutely right. I think it's kind of, I I view it in these three ways. There was the originals we just talked about. And then there was this kind of like very, I I may be biased, but very New York centric. A lot of folks in New York with uh, plant queen, myself, planting dropper, apartment botanist. Like there was a big hub here. And then with the pandemic, it just went nuts. Like that third wave was insane and now you've got folks like planty plants and moss and fern and uh, mariah like it's just so there's so many now i just i love it because the more people are there in this space the more people are likely to buy a plant start caring about the environment in a different way and it just changes everyone's perspective i agree and I think we're all in it for the right reasons. It's all about the plants and being able to spread that knowledge to encourage more people to bring the outside into their home and be, you know, be that much closer to nature. Absolutely. So the next question I have, if you could be any plant, what plant would you be and why? Oh, I mean, this one's always tough, right? It, it is so difficult. I think I, I have to be a, a fruit-bearing plant, right? I got to feed people, you know? Yeah, um, Farmer Nick. I, far, exactly. I, I, I can't not be a fruit plant. Um, I think that I, ooh, I'm looking at my backyard now at these Meyer lemon trees, and it's like hard not to want to be a Meyer lemon tree because they just smell so good. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I'd love to be a, a plant that smells good, but you can't really eat a lemon in the same way. You know, you're not biting into a lemon on a daily basis. Um, I w- I would probably be like a raspberry bush. Like I I love raspberries. Berries are so healthy for you. They grow well in in the Northeast as well as out here in California and you know you can you know use them for desserts you can 
Just snack on them. They're super filled with antioxidants. Uh, raspberries are awesome. They're a little prickly, though. I don't know if they I'm are. Prickly. <laughs> I don't know if I'm that prickly. I'm pretty pretty amiable guy, I think. So I don't know. Maybe maybe raspberries without the the thorns and prickles as much. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could you know you could be like um, a raspberry bush that has kind of gone through some evolution, right? And so yeah. that you know they're they're not protecting themselves from the birds anymore. <laughs> or maybe they're in an area where there's no birds that are feeding on them. And so they've just like grown into this like delicious berry that is also yeah. like defined by your personality. I, I love that. We're just changing, changing evolutionary <laughs> history right here, right on the pod. <laughs> well, I, I feel like it's, uh, I mean, I, I read recently that elephants are evolving to, you know, lose their tusks. They, they're not growing yes, tusks I anymore. Yeah. So yeah, evolution can happen right in front of our eyes. Yeah, let's do it. Raspberry so, with no prickles. That sounds good to me. But I wonder if we can cross it with a blackberry so it can become like like a, a hybrid like, berry. Yeah. I don't know. There's so many things that you could do with it, you know? I mean, I was just at the farmer's market today and I was getting all the berries. So strawberries, raspberries, blueberries, like sign me up. Yeah, I'm definitely a big berry person too. So I will, you know, back you up on that decision. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Well, hey, Nick, I am so appreciative of your time this afternoon. Um, I don't want to keep you because it's Super Bowl Sunday. I know you got a lot of vegan food to prep. I'm going to go look up some vegan recipes, but I think I'm going to add turkey to my chili. So uh, oh, I'm not, okay. not there quite yet, but it's not red meat. Yeah. Hey, when, when I come visit you in Florida at some point, we'll, we'll go out for some vegan food, do some cooking. It's going to be great. I'm down with that. And if I am ever out in LA, I will definitely give you a buzz. I need to make it out there at some point. It's been too long since I've been. Yeah, man, please do. All right. Well, take care and we will chat soon. Sounds good. 